All right, now you can be seated. You can be seated now. How's everybody doing? I almost missed the, the bottle there. I like how Stephen said that uh, that, should, that should probably embarrass some of, of you in your worship. Man, welcome to You Take Over 2K18. Isn't that awesome? Isn't this awesome what our, what our youth is doing? I'm so honored to be a, a part of our youth ministry. Again, if you don't know who I am, my name is TJ. I'm on staff here at the church, and I help out in, in our youth department. I am the, uh, we got any office fans, the office? No? I am, uh, I'm Dwight and Stevens Michael. That's basically how it works. I'm trying so hard to be the assistant regional manager and I just keep being the assistant to the regional manager. Hey, but I'm excited to, to do this tonight. Um, man, I, I believe God has uh, given me something. Every time I grab this microphone, uh, I'm not only preaching uh, to, to your students, to your kids, but I preach to myself too. So. I am in no way, shape, or form a uh, finished product, and that's what I love about our church is we're all damaged, and we're all broken, and we're all unclean, and we just come into one room to praise the God that saved us, and I love that, and that's just who I am today. So before we jump in, before we jump in, I just want to pray. I always start with pray, prayer because God knows that I, I need it more than anybody else. So God, we thank you for who you are. Man, we just thank you for what you're doing in this room. We thank you for what you're doing in our students, Father. God, the lives that are being changed, not just our students, but because of our students. The words that you put in, our, in these kids, Father, the, the way that they go out and bring people in here, God, the, the way that you utilize uh, these kids to go and, and reach their schools and their communities, and most importantly, their parents, Father God. God, we just thank you for everything that you're doing in this place. I pray that it's not my voice that these people hear, God, but it's your spirit speaking through me. And God, we praise you and we thank you for everything that you're doing. And in Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. amen. All right, all right. This is going to be good. Everybody brought their Bible? Or at least a phone? If you didn't bring your Bible, you can, you can download a Bible app real fast. It takes like 42 seconds. Our internet here at the church is amazing. So just download it real quick. I want everybody to turn to 2 Kings chapter 7. Uh, and, and it's a it's an awesome story. Uh, before we before we jump into the story that we're going to read, you can, you can go ahead and leave it up there. I'll give you a little teaser, but I just want to give you all a little background uh, of my testimony. The youth have heard it a, a few times, and, and I'm going to try to speed through this as fast as I can. But uh, y'all, maybe some of y'all heard of it when we did the elephant in the family room. But uh, my name, obviously, I'm TJ. But I grew up in a in a in a church home. My parents have been pastors ever since um, I was a wee little stud, and uh, you know, I grew up knowing the right things and, and uh, knowing the ways that I should live. When I was about 12 years old, my, my oldest brother and my dad got into an argument. Evan, Evan was my, my idol. I mean, th- me and Evan would, would drive in his car. For some reason, they gave him a license. But we would drive in his car, and we would come up to stop signs, and he'd say, are you ready? And I'd say, oh, boy, I'm ready. And I'm looking down the right side of the road, and I said, nobody there. And he goes, cool, nobody here. And we just speed right through the stop sign. That's what we did for fun. So I'm lucky I'm alive today. Evan's lucky he still has a license today. But I remember Evan and my dad getting into an argument. There was rules in our house that, hey, you can do what you want, but there's certain things you can't do. And if you're not going to follow these rules, you're not going to live in our house. And Evan was making the choice not to follow rules, so he moved out. And I remember being so distraught, and I didn't understand 
man, what really was going on? I, I was a 12-year-old naive kid. I, for some reason, I thought it was my fault. I remember stealing my mom's phone and, and calling my brother and saying, man, just please come home. I'll, I'll be the best brother, I promise. And he said, no, dude, you don't get it. It's not what's going on. I said, man, I, I, I promise you'll do anything you want. And, you know, finally, he just said, no, T, I'm, I'm not coming home, man. I can't do it. And I remember just being so angry um, with my parents and with God. And, and, and honestly, that moment forward, uh, I had a, a two-lane road to, road to go down, and one was towards God and one was toward away, away from him. And I chose the road that uh, went away from God. And that began my, my story, I guess you'd say it. Um, going, before I was in sixth grade, I started selling drugs and had gotten high for the first time. Uh, by the time I was in seventh grade, I had already been suspended twice. My eighth grade year, I got suspended for a third time. It was justified, though. He was saying your mama jokes, and I didn't like when people talked about my mom. And then finally, I got expelled my eighth grade year for, for selling drugs on, on school property. And, and going through all that, uh, running the way that I did, causing so much pain to, to my family, I knew what I was doing was wrong. But just the looks on my parents' face is what hurt me the most knowing that, hey, I'm not going to change what I'm doing. Man, I was too angry at God. I felt like I was placed in the wrong family, that there's no way, if there is a God, there's no way that he's real because he placed me in this weird little Bible-thumping family, and all they do is go to church, and they drag me to church, and I say, hey, Dad, I want you to come to a baseball game, and I say, I can't, man, we have, we have things at the church that we got to do. There's people that count on us, and I remember going to my dad for certain things, just praying to whoever there was, please do not give me a scripture when I ask you a question. Every time there was a scripture. I remember in ninth grade, I went into ninth grade. I was arrested three times before I was a freshman in high school. And by the time I was a sophomore, I was getting more involved and getting high and I was dibble dabbling in psychedelics and I remember my, my, my junior year is when I started taking pills. Uh, we started taking anti-anxiety pills and, and anything we could just to, to get a buzz. And, and by the time I was senior, I was doing cocaine and snorting molly and so engulfed in, in alcohol that I remember that I, I would still play drums. My parents had no idea. I would still play drums Saturday nights for worship and, and I'd be up there and I'd be playing and I was so lost in myself, and I, and I was so sad on the inside, but projecting a different image that I remember I would just cry almost at all the songs. I, I hated, but I loved when we did baptisms, because every time somebody got baptized, man, I just wanted that feeling. I saw people come out of the water, and they're just so happy, and they're yelling, and some people were weird, but most of them were happy, and they're yelling, and they're super excited, and it's like, man, I want that. I remember be crying while I'm playing just because I wanted that feeling so bad. But I knew I wasn't going to have it, so I'd leave directly after worship, and I'd go to a party, and I would try to black out. I remember one time my brother asked me, my senior year, spring break, asked me to come to Tulsa. In high school, Stephen was my best friend. I tried to get all the invites to his parties, and I, I went to one. He said, hey, never again. And I said, please, let me, let me prove myself, brother. Let me prove myself. I went to another one, and I never got invited again. Um, he was my best friend, man. Means I, I tried to do everything I possibly could with Stephen. And, and, and so I remember when he moved to Bible college, I was confused because I knew what he was doing in high school. So it's like, dude, you're going to Bible college. This is what you did. So I was a little, I was a little confused. 
man, but I just so badly wanted him. I just wanted to be with him so bad. So he asked me to come down spring break, and I said, oh, heck yeah. We're going to freaking smash some 30 bombs and smoke some cigars, you know? Like, that's what we're going to do. And then go to church on the weekend like I've been doing my whole life. Like, it's, it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be great. And I, and I remember we get down there the first night, and I'm like, hey, dude. I already bought a pack of cigarettes. What do you say? And he's like, no, dude, not, he's, not yet. You know, we're, we're going to the church real fast. And uh, I'm like, what? Why? He's like, well, I just got to meet up with some guys. It's going to take like five minutes, you know. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, that's cool. Five minutes, you know. And I remember we got to the church, and uh, I walk in, and there's like five guys there. I'm like, this is awkward. And he's like, yeah, hey, just take a seat. Like, promise it's going to take like five minutes. And I'm like, cool, okay. I sit down, and they start having a prayer meeting right in front of me. And I'm like, are you, are, you, are you serious right now? Like, you took me to a prayer meeting. And I mean, these guys are praying. It's not like, no, they're like walking around, speaking life over the building and the services. And I mean, they are deep into prayer, shouting loud. And then, it, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to sit here at the table in the very center of the room where there's one chair by myself. You know, that's what I'm going to do. And I remember these guys are walking around playing, uh, not playing, they were praying for the services, man. They are speaking over the buildings and, man, they're praying and they're praying and, and all you hear, because I'm just sitting at the table and I got my phone and I'm sitting there and all you hear from me is just like a, <sighs> playing baseball superstars with the sound on in the middle of their prayer meeting. And, uh, but I, I remember a guy named AJ come over and, and he asked to pray for me and I said, sure. You know, I set my phone down, he starts praying for me. And this thing on the inside of me starts shaking. And I don't know what it is, I've been in church my whole life, I've never felt this before. And it almost made me wanna cry. It, and if you know our family, it's like, you know, we, men don't cry, you know? So it's like, no, don't cry, don't cry. You're a man, don't cry, don't cry. And uh, so he stops, and, th and then another dude named Ryan Bush came over and started praying for me. He started prophesying over me, and I, and I lost it. And, and he was saying, that, hey, you are a child of God. You are a man of God. And you've been told your whole life that you have purpose, in it, and it's true. And I'm just sitting here, and I, and I mean, I'm telling you, this is how I know God's real. It's because I've had a feeling that I've never had in my life. I've never felt it again, but I had a feeling like I never had in my life a feeling to tell these four dudes that I wanted to follow Jesus. And that's when I got saved, April 19, 2012, spring break, senior year. So I come back home and I'm saved and I'm changed and I feel great. And the first party that I get invited to, I go to. And uh, you know, stuff just kind of starts going back. You know, my heart's changed, I want better. I just not really acting better. You know, I, I tried to quit cussing, I tried to quit calling people the names that I was calling them, calling them, I, I was kind of a high school a-hole, um, and I tried to stop being that guy, and uh, I remember calling my girlfriend after I got saved, and I said, hey, this might be a little weird, uh, but I just got saved, and I'm done with the drugs and the alcohol and the stuff we shouldn't be doing. And I get it. If you don't, if you don't want to be with me, that's cool. I'm not like making stuff up so we can break up. You know, like I like you. I'm just saying I'm done. And she's like, No, no, it's cool. Like, I want to change too. And I'm like, Oh my God, God is real. 
this is amazing. God is amazing. He's, he's so real. So we come back, and you know, stuff kind of starts fading out, and my heart, I really want to be different. It's just a lot harder than I thought it was. And, and I remember calling her again one day, and I said, hey, listen, it's a little weird, and I'll understand, but I really want to go to Bible college. And, and I, I promise, this, I'm not just trying to break up with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think you're cool. I like you. And she said, no, no, I want to go too. And I'm like, oh, my God is good. This is great. So we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1,600 miles away from home. Thought it'd be fitting to go to the college uh, right next to the place I got saved, I guess, same city. And so we go to Bible college, and we moved down there in, in, in the middle of August. And in the middle of December, we split up, and in January, she was married. And, and before I go any further, this is not a, it's not a poll on her. She's still married to the same dude. She's got a cute little baby. They go to church every weekend. She loves God. Her and her husband love God. It's not a pull on her, and it's not a pity on me. But I was at the lowest point in my life that I had ever been in. Man, I cut off friendships for this girl. I moved 1,600 miles across the United States of America to go be with this, this girl at Bible college. I didn't have no friends. What do you think you do when, when you get to a new state? You don't go mingle at Starbucks. No, you hang out with people you know. Like, all I did was hang out with her. So I have no friends. I woke up, I skipped school, I'd go to the gym, I'd go to work, I'd go to the gym, I'd go home, I'd drink a protein shake, and I'd go to bed. That was my life after we broke up. It was the lowest point of my life. I remember driving home every night from work, and I would just start bawling. Man, I'd start crying, God, why me? Why me? I'd wake up, and I'd skip school, because as soon as I wake up, the, the reality would hit me that we're not together, and so I'd just start bawling. Man, she was my best friend. She was my best friend. I would just start crying. And I remember I got a phone call from my dad. And throughout this process, my, my parents had been encouraging me all along the way. And, you know, say, hey, you can do it. It's okay. Like, you're going to be all right. You know, you're going to be all right. But I remember I got a phone call. It's a phone call that's changed my life. And, and, and I've talked. it's a phone call. I've talked to Ivan about it. I've talked to Fredo about it. But I got, got a phone call from my dad. He says, son. I said, yeah. So what are you doing? nothing. Where are you at? I'm at home. This is like nine in the morning. I'm supposed to be at school. And he says, what are you doing? And I just lost it. I cried like I've never cried before. And it was, I was uncontrollably sobbing. And I remember my dad said my name in a, in a very rare tone. Anybody been in trouble with my dad? When my dad says your name and you're in trouble, you stop breathing. <laughs> You know, you, wait, you wake up real quick. My dad says, TJ. And I, yeah. My dad said, get up and go. Put yourself together. Get ready. Get up. Go to school. God still has more for you. And I got up. I got ready. I went to school. I was the only kid at Rainbow Bible College who had attendance probation. And somehow, they gave me a year of completion sheet. I don't know. But we're going to read this passage because I, I feel like I was like these four men in this passage. This is the story of the four lepers. And we'll start at verse 1. It says, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seeds of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer whose hand of the king 
leaned and answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you won't eat any of it. Now there were four lepers, men at the entrance of the gate, when they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we'll go in the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now let's go. Let's surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we will live. And if they kill us, we still die. They rose at night to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to to their surprise, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise and the chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at night, their camps intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirt of the camp, they went to one tent, and they ate and drank and carried silver and gold and clothing and went back and hid it. And when they came back another time, and they entered and carried some more, and they also went and hid that. Then one said to the one or the other, we are not doing this right, this day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go tell the king's household. And I read this story. I've read this a long time ago. I've heard it preached to me many, a lot of times. But I read this story the other day, and, and I thought about that time in my life where I was at the lowest point I had ever been in. And these guys just reminded me of me. Because they have a choice to make. They're sitting there defeated. Nobody wants them. Back in those days, if you were a leper, if anybody came near you, you'd have to stand up tall, put your hand over your mouth, and shout, unclean, unclean, unclean. And that's how I felt. Man, I felt useless. Nobody wanted me. So they had a choice to make. They had to decide who they were going to be in that time. And and there's four types of people that we can be. If you're taking notes, write write this down. There's four types of people, four ists, you would say. And the first one is a pessimist. A pessimist doesn't see any positivity in anything. All they see is the bad stuff. Any situation that happens, it's always negative. They always find the negative thing in the situation. They could have been pessimists. They could have sat there and said, If we sit here, we die. If we go to the city, we die. I don't know much. All we know is we're going to die. Or or there could have been the second one, which is a fatalist. Fatalist is the saddest to me. They're the people that think that everything is already predetermined. That they have no choice. There's nothing they can do about it. Hey, we're sitting here. We're dead men. But it's okay, because this is our predetermined destiny. And we die. Or there could have been the third which is a nihilist, not a nihilist. I thought it was a nihilist at first. I was like, dang, an annihilator, that sounds dope. I wanna be that guy. No, just a nihilist. Nihilists don't believe in anything. They could have sat there, they could have said nothing. There would have been never a story written about them in Second Kings because they wouldn't have done anything, they would have said anything. And they would have just sat there and died, but they chose to be the fourth one, which was an optimist. And optimists are hope people. Optimists have faith. Man, they said we can sit here and we can die, or we could at least try to go to the camp who's trying to kill us, and maybe they spare us. 
I mean, let me tell you people, that's a little sliver of hope. That's very, very tiny. And man, they had hope. They had to choose who they were going to be, and, and they made the right choice. And I feel like these four men compare to us and our situations very often in life. I think every day we get to choose who we have to be. We get to choose the way we react to our situations. You can be a pessimist about it, and you can always choose to see negativity, or you can be a fatalist and think that this is your mess, but it's your beautiful mess, so there's nothing you can do about it. Or you can choose to be a nihilist. There's dreams and there's visions that God has placed in people's hearts that they've chose to be nihilist about, and now that dream and that vision is sitting there and it's dead because you think, oh, there's no way I could ever do that. Oh, there's no way I could ever start that business. There's no way I could ever be that, that parent. There's no way I could ever bless those people. So you choose to be a nihilist about it. But this is where we have to elevate our mindset. Can you imagine a youth student getting up and talking about elevating your mindset? We gotta elevate our mindset. Man, this past week, Dad's talking about $100 million dealios up in this space, and it's not that anything's wrong with them, they're just in the wrong atmosphere. And once they get in the right atmosphere, God starts shoveling that information. Once we get in the right atmosphere, God starts shoveling information to us that we could never see because we were never in the right atmosphere. In Colossians, it says, set your minds on things above. One translation says, set your affections on things above. That's your feelings. That's the way you feel, your emotions. Set your emotions and your feelings on things above. I get that life may push you down sometimes, but that doesn't give us an option to not grow. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, when I was a child, I reasoned like a child, I thought like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things away. The word reasoned means to estimate. When I was a child, I estimated like a child. Have you ever asked a child to estimate something for you? They're terrible. It's the worst educated decision you've ever heard. I, I bet you if any could talk, I'd say, hey babe, if you had to estimate what could get you through in life, what would it be? And she would say, I need my mama, I need my Mimi, and I need my peace, and that's it. And she'd have the greatest life ever. Obviously, we know that's not true. But some of us still reason like a child, just like that. Man, there's things that we want, there's things that we think we want. We get upset because it's not the picture that we, we thought it would be. I thought my life, I thought I'd be at this point at this time. And we get upset with God and we sit down and we cross our arms because it's not the picture that we thought it was. Or, man, this isn't the family life that I thought I, I should have at this point. So we get upset and we cross our arms during some, some times like that. And, and may I propose a thought to you that the things that you want and the things that you think you want, that they might actually be contradicting what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Holy Spirit wants to advance you and elevate you. And there's no way you can do that sitting with your arms crossed. In, in, in these next verses, I believe it's uh, five and six, they talk about going into the camp. And it says, and they rose at twilight to go to the camp, the Syrians, and, and they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp. And to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused 
the armies of the Syrians that hear the horses and flee. How many people want God to surprise you and cause some things to happen in your life? I have two, I got four minutes, so I got two real fast points, maybe ideas that I'd like to share with you that, that m might allow God to surprise and cause some things to happen in your life. So if you're taking notes, number one, the first thing we got to do is get up. You got to get up. We have to take a proactive position. I, I've been in f very, very few little fights in my life. But I'll tell you one thing, I never started one sitting down. That just doesn't sound smart. God wants to do things in your life. God wants to elevate you. God wants to advance you and move you forward. The Bible says that there's a plan for all of us, a plan to prosper us, not to harm us, a plan to give us a hope and a future. It's kind of hard to do that when we're sitting down with our arms crossed being dead weight. We gotta get up. We have to take a proactive position. In Daniel 2.44, Check this out. And in the days of these kings, the God of the heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. The Bible never tells us to sit down. Don't ever sit down. The second point we need is go. First, we got to get up. Second thing we got to do is go. Get up and go. In Luke 19, the Bible says, do business till I come. You may stand up at some point, but you're useless if you're not taking steps forward. Man, I remember one of the illustrations my dad always showed us is, it's a lot easier to steer a car when it's moving instead of when it's parked. And this is one of the only times I actually went out and tried to demonstrate by myself that illustration. I promise you, you can't turn a car if it's parked. You gotta start moving. You gotta start advancing in your life. I don't know where to go. My life's in, in, in pieces. I don't know what to do. Just get up and go. God orders our steps. At some point, you'll find the light at the end of the tunnel. You just gotta get up and you gotta go. Later in the, in, in the, in the passage, they decide, okay, we're gonna get up and we're gonna go. And, the, and they go and they tell the king. And the king says, no way, Jose. They're tricking us. Man, they're hiding. As soon as we get there, they're gonna, they're gonna come out and they're gonna kill us. So one of his advisors says, hey dude, just send Jimmy and Bobby and the five horses that we have left. Have them go check it out. If they get there and they die, they'll be like the rest of us and we die. But if they get there and it's true, we'll be like them and we'll have something. So the king says, sick, send Jimmy and Bobby and the five horses we have left and they go. And the king realizes that what the lepers had said was true. And in the very last verse, I, I love it. It's in 18. It says, so it happened just as God said. There's people in here tonight, we're going to baptize some people, and it's going to be absolutely amazing. But there's people in here tonight who are s s just seated in life. Some people for a long time. Man, your life ain't the picture that you thought it was. Or your finances aren't where you thought they were. Or God's not allowing you to do things that you want. There's some people in here physically who are ready to get up and go. They're like, dude, get this kid off the stage. We're done. I want some hot dogs. 
And there's some people who are going to make a bold decision tonight. And they're going to come down here and they're going to sit in this water. And they're going to come out new and they're going to get up and they're going to go spiritually. I so badly, I just want to encourage you with everything that I have. Get up and go. Man, if you've been baptized before and it was a long time ago, it doesn't matter. If you were baptized two weeks ago and you feel the need, you need to do it again, it doesn't matter. You go in the water broken, dirty, unclean, a leper, and you come out a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. If you didn't come to get baptized, it doesn't matter. If you need to do it, do it. Let's just pray. God, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing in this place. God, we thank you for the lives that you're changing right now in this building. God, we thank you that there's a God none like you, that you put us first and not last. You made us the, the head and not the tail. God, that there's a future for us. There's hope. God, I thank you that as people come out of this water, that it's not just a physical difference, God, but it's a spiritual difference, a difference that they'll never return back to the old way, God. I thank you that every person in this room leaves different than the way that they come in. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. And right now, I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hand or, or stand up or do anything like that. But if you're in this room and you want to meet this guy that we call Jesus, this guy that saved all of our lives, this guy that is the best thing that could ever happen to you. If you want to meet Jesus, I just encourage you when I, when I make this prayer that you just say it along and you, and, and you, make, it this, you make it your prayer. Everybody repeat after me. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you that you've never forsaken me and that you're never going to leave me. God, I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you were buried. And I believe that you rose three days later. God, I make you my king. And you rule my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God one more shout.